What does it take to get you out of the house on a wintry, snowy Sunday afternoon? I don't know about you, but for me, these are precious days designed for very specific activities. Football, for instance. Making a nice tomato sauce. Sleeping in. Boozy brunch. Cleaning the bathroom. Giving my dog a haircut. And it's all because I work for the man. I sold my soul long ago, doing my time inside the traditional American life cycle. Sitting behind a desk Monday through Friday, staring into a little electronic device. It's not a complaint, just a fact that makes these Northeast snowy sweatpants Sundays so delicious and so necessary. And yet here I am walking to the metro in the cold, snow coming down all around me. I've sacrificed my precious holy day, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to church. Because indie music royalty is waiting on the other end of my ride. Waiting at 930 Club in downtown DC to be worshipped by adoring fans. I'm leaving my cave on a Sunday to talk to a man named Clarence. You probably know him as Citizen Cope. Or maybe you're like me. You know the name Citizen Cope, but you didn't know his name was Clarence till last week. You don't know what he looks like. You're a Citizen Cope casual. But then you do the research and you learn. And here it was, my chance to be a musical anthropologist. Because I love music. Not just this band or that band. I love a lot of it. Sure, some of it is horseshit. And sure, it's populated by a lot of unsavory characters. Thieves, thugs, liars, mercenaries, divas, scum, villainy, murderous bastards. But here on the podcast, I get to cherry pick the creative souls who I want to get to know better. And even though Trent Reznor is still a pipe dream, even though Beck and I just hugged, even though Bill Paxton is dead, when you get to enjoy the company and dare I say, the education that you can acquire by spending 45 minutes with a man like Citizen Cope, that my friends is something worth putting your best snow boots on for on a shitty Sunday. And for episode 93 of the Independent Minded Podcast, Citizen, can I call you Citizen? <laughs> Citizen did not disappoint. Yep, just hanging on the tour bus with Citizen Cope, who had been in and out of the major label industry and survived, and who seemingly had zero malice about how it all turned out. Who started his own record label, who opened for the Beastie Boys on their Check Your Head tour, Brooklyn, who got the title of his new album, Heroin in Helicopters, from Carlos Santana. What? Clarence Greenwood, who was a Jedi in Nikes, an enlightened Buddhist monk of the music industry, spouting wisdom about intellectual property, scalping tickets, growing a team, and being a dad. And after talking to guys like Citizen Cope and Mike Doty and Justin Furstenfeld, veterans of a business that has completely transformed since they all got started, I always leave with a warm glow. Because these guys are f***ing survivors. Guys like Citizen Cope have come out the other side. They learned, they adjusted, they figured out how to keep doing it. But the best part of all, the same thing I see in all the veteran indie artists I talk to on this podcast, they came out the other side with gratitude. And Citizen Cope is no exception. He exudes it. You can smell it on him. At least that's what I thought I smelled. Clarence Greenwood is zen, but he's humble too. He still looks sharp in a man bun and a leather jacket. After we wrap up, Clarence shakes my hand, patiently poses for the necessary eight photos that turn into one good photo, then he jumps on stage to sound check, and a few hours later, he'll perform to a sold-out crowd at a club he'd probably played at at least a dozen times before, in his younger, maybe less enlightened days. Let's kick it off with Justice from the new album Heroin and Helicopters, then some life lessons with Citizen Cope, right here on Independent Minded. It's Ronnie Galzo's amazing podcast. It's Ronnie Galzo's amazing podcast. Talking to people. 
projects, making them famous. He's helping them out just by making them talk about all the cool shit that they do.
I am inside the tour bus. This is a first for me, Clarence Greenwood. Um, <laughs> well, with Citizen Cope, indie music royalty, Citizen Cope. How are you, sir? Thank you for inviting me into your your mobile home. I assume for the next few months, right? Yes, and thank you for calling me indie royalty. I've never heard that before. Really? Yeah. So that's a first. I personally have been a casual fan for many years, and I love when I get the opportunity to talk to somebody like you because after the interviews, traditionally, I can't think of one where this hasn't happened, I kind of turn into a super fan because (laughs) I never run into somebody who's like, ah, they weren't as awesome as I thought they were going to be. It's always the opposite. So I'm not trying to set a high standard before we get into the Q&A portion. But uh, one thing I've always admired about you and and I've read about you and I've listened to other interviews with you is there is an authenticity about Citizen Cope that makes you indie music royalty, in my opinion. Your new album is out, Heroin and Helicopters. Yes. Have you ever been in a helicopter before? Well, I've never done heroin, and I, and I never. Uh, I was going to avoid that portion w- of the question. Went but in a helicopter. <laughs> the title came from uh, Carlos Santana when I first met him. He he came up to me and said, "Watch out for the two H's: heroin and helicopters." And I've uh, managed to avoid both yeah. throughout my own career, but I'll look to this album for further guidance. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a quote here from. Uh, You know, there's like a resume here that the PR company sends out. And I highlighted something. It says other topics Cope can speak to include sex, finance and the music business at large. (laughs) It's quite a varied area of expertise. Uh, I I don't know where to start. Are they the same thing? I think that was a joke when I said when I put that. And obviously, I guess they they thought I was serious when I said that about the sex. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing that I was excited to talk to you about is that you are from. Washington, D.C. Yep. And you're a hometown boy. I know you weren't born here, but you kind of grew up in, in D.C. I was right? raised here in D.C. I went to public school at Wilson High School, Alice Steel Junior High. In my late teens, started buying and selling tickets to concert and sporting events. And you were a ticket scalper. I was yeah. a ticket scalper, and that's how I kind of was able to make you know my money. It kind of taught me a method to kind of have independence at first you know it was kind of the first i mean i started having you know whatever paper route and then cutting lawns i had a little lawn service when i was young that taught me that way but the ticket thing kind of taught me just the immediacy of what supply and demand was i guess so therefore i got really into that when i started making records be able to have a little something to go to the studio or buy a drum machine or something like that to kind of build into this music thing because I, I really had a passion for music, although I didn't know that that's what I would be doing for a living. You know, it was something that I just thought was cool. Like, I, as a listener, I love listening to music. And then when hip hop came along, I you know, was intrigued by the way the drum machine sounded. And I got a drum machine and a sampler and then started collecting records because it was so mystical and mysterious to me music i was like how how what is this you know and then (laughs) when you break it down and you know choruses and verses you kind of get it another idea of what it is you kind of like a self-taught kind of way of what a song structure is and not that there should be a song structure but that there is somehow in, in a lot of music as a guy looking to sell tickets now how does being a ticket scalper, how does it being on the other end of things like 
are you affected by that at all? I mean, it's still a reputable business. It's just called StubHub or a SeatGeek now. Well, now it's a reputable business because the internet has come into it. But before it wasn't, it was, it was something looked down upon. It's interesting because it has completely, you know, changed the value of a performance or a concert or a sporting event. And a lot of people have incorporated what basically the the street scalping thing has into a multi-billion dollar business. And it's so many different businesses, even the main promoters and all the main sports teams are involved in it somehow. They, you know, they, they essentially scalp their own tickets. Right. If you can't beat them, join them, right? Yeah. After your ticket scalping life, you were a DJ in a band. And then you became Citizen Cope. Well, actually, I was I was making demos before that, and that's how I got the gig in the band with Basehead and Michael Ivey had written an incredible record called Play With Toys, and he, he recorded and produced and played most of the instruments. And he was going on tour, and, he's, and, he, and I knew the samplers and the drum machines, and he'd heard my demo and asked me to go on the road with him. And we opened up on the Check Your Head tour for the Beastie Boys. Awesome. One of my favorites. And that was a special tour because they hadn't toured in a while. They didn't tour after License to Ill. That's right. It was the first 13 shows of that tour, so there was a lot of hype surrounding it. Not hype, actual just buzz. You would go to the venues and it would just be lines of people. And, and I really had, I, I gained a lot of respect for them as a live band. They played at th this place. Here at 930 Club, When sure. it was called Wust. <laughs> you know better than me. Yeah, so. Um, Wust? Yeah. And um, before Seth bought it. Uh, that's Seth Horowitz, the promoter, who's now a big-time actor. You're talking about a guy who grew up in Brooklyn in the 80s, so Beastie Boys, yeah. you know, and I know the period where you're talking about exactly because they put Paul's Boutique out, yeah. it flopped, they probably were a little traumatized by that at the time. Now it's considered, obviously, a classic album. Yeah. So Check Your Head was when they started playing instruments and really kind of melding that hip-hop style with more of an alternative rock style. Right, right. And you self-describe your music as urban folk yes it's not hip-hop it's not reggae it isn't pop it isn't rock and roll it doesn't necessarily have a home genre wise but it lives in all those places it pays respect to all those places do you think your music being hard to classify is that like a badge of honor or somebody who's you know dealt with major labels and been in and out of the the major label business has it been a challenge to kind of exist in a, in a business that's all about classification and categorization looking back on how you got started 20, 25 years later. Well, I think it's something that in order to continue to make music, you have to find people that will, will support it. But I never had the smarts enough to kind of be like, all right, I'm going to make this type of song. I think it was just, I just followed a muse. And I obviously wanted to be able to make records and, and get funded to make them and, and somebody to fund my career. And, and that's something I had to give up an extreme amount of, um publishing no an extreme <laughs> amount of like control you're no no control like I, I was always lucky enough to make the records i made because i wrote all my songs all my demos and i produced all my records i wasn't coming in as somebody that somebody saw on a, a tv show or something like that or an american idol and then they just threw some songwriters and or somebody from the disney channel or something like that where you know you are in prepackaged. Yes, but you do give up a lot of your personal intellectual property. 
You know, essentially when you sign a record deal, you're giving away your intellectual property and that's essentially your songs that you created. They, they give you the money for it, but they own it in perpetuity. I've been there, my friends. Throughout the universe. <laughs> so it can work really well for some people because then they can take that to some another level. And I, and I, I feel fortunate for being able to get signed on a record deal or the record deals I did. And I would still be doing it if it weren't for all the all the companies that I signed with all Going out of business. collapsed, <laughs> you know, and got morphed into something else yeah. or bought by somebody else. And there were some really good people at those labels at that time. And it just got ever changing. So I, I just decided to take it on myself so I could own it. Now you're working with 30 Tigers. In a lot of ways, I feel like a company like that is the new major label. The evolution of the industry in the wake of not necessarily the collapse of the major label industry, but certainly the shrinking of it or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's the same concept where you're basically finding a champion, somebody who really believes in your your art and your authenticity and isn't looking to exploit you and wants to help you because they're a fan of your music. Yeah, and they also have an infrastructure that understands if you want to own your stuff, what they can do to make that happen. Right. So they have that ability and that knowledge and... They're going to be the new format because I think labels are going to have to start cutting better deals with artists. But let me just clarify. I think that the majors now, it's a whole different world in music. So that's that world. And then the 30 Tigers world is different. And some artists can kind of touch that line of being in the major label system and actually being a real artist. But that whole thing is, is changed into something different where the subculture becomes the pop culture. And that's always happened in music. So I think now they're kind of identifying what they think is the mass culture. I started a record label to release my own music in 2005. Right. You started Rainwater Recording. Yeah. How involved in the business of Citizen Cope are you? How deep does it roll for you? Well, I mean, I've been self-managed for the last you know, 10 years. And I put my own music out. I just got a new management for this album because I felt like there was just things that could actually really be beneficial in the long run with a team because you need a team. No matter sure. how strong the individual is, the team has to really have a chemistry and a, and a common goal. I feel fortunate it took a long time and it, the right person is always important. How do you vet those people? Is it like going down the yellow brick road and finding people who are like-minded individuals or fans of your music or friends you, of friends? You can completely lock up. <laughs> or f*** up. Yeah. And <laughs> what's interesting about management is like if somebody has success, essentially, you know, your kid's sister could be your manager if she was good enough at don't give me any ideas. It, 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 She's it, available. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, it's just answering requests. So Doing, yeah, if, the if dirty work if, so you can focus on being an artist. Right, but that doesn't exist either. Like the focus on being an artist and there's no such thing as that. It, like I think people- Ever or now? I don't think it ever, it, I don't think with anybody I've seen that's been in the music business for a long time and had great success at it. I mean, there's- people that I've been around are like Eric Clapton and Mick Jagger and I haven't been around Mick Jagger but I've seen what he done but I, I, 
Paul McCartney, those people are pretty intimately involved in their business because they've been screwed over so much. <laughs> What's great about a good manager is trying to go out and see the vision of your artist and actually have a real vision for the long term and be able to go after all the different things and, and, and kind of build a career. That's difficult to find somebody that understands everything about you. And I think when it's really worked well, it's amazing. Like, you know, with Bruce Springsteen and John Landau, it's like with Elliot and Neil Young, his manager is an amazing story. And, and there's just those things that really work really well. You know, obviously Dave Matthews and Corin Capshaw. And, and we're going get, through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here. Yeah, and Dave Grohl, John Silva. I think the theme here is that teamwork, when it comes to that level of success, is not a coincidence. Right, like, right. Having those longstanding relationships. Yeah, like I feel about the managers now that I have, I see them being those guys one day, and, and they're just building. All right. So it's like you find... Did you your, tell them that? Yeah, you find your team. You, know? <laughs> you don't want to get them too cocky like, yeah. too soon. Uh, something that's changed since the last album and this new album, it's been about six, seven years. You had a daughter eight years ago, and I assume a big motivation for you to kind of take a break from everything was to be a dad. Yeah, it's really important. And I didn't think of it like that, but I, I was trying to slow down. But then the touring kind of, I had to keep touring and to pay, you know, my bills. And also when I pay for my record, I, I have to always fund it through different things. So that kind of makes making a record in a sense, something you want to do that's really amazing. So I didn't want to put out anything that wasn't just to put it out. You know, right. I, you got to feel it before I mean, you there's can a lot it. of people think, oh, content, content, just put it out, put it out, put it out. And I understand that theory and I know that theory works, but I didn't want to dilute what I'd done just for the sake of putting something out. I really feel this record is special. I was, I'm emotionally and spiritually attached to it. So then you can finish it and be like, okay, I'm cool with it. And no matter how it does, then you know artistically that you're good with what you put out. And I look back and I luckily had that feeling about all my records. And sometimes I listen back and it's like, oh, this isn't as good as I sing now, or this isn't, <laughs> or I wish, you know, now I my sounds are better. But there's also emotion that you'll never get back. I'm fortunate to have recordings from all those times in my life. See, these are the answers, Clarence. Do you feel it happening? The super fan is just kind of like is entering my soul right now. <laughs> How does being a dad inform your songwriting? Is it a separate thing? Or can you not help but relate this chapter of your life and make that part of your creativity? I think just by being around her, you know, I get asked that a lot. <laughs> Jesus. <An> elephant outside. <laughs> There's... Downtown D.C., ladies and gentlemen. Definitely something going on. <laughs> um, just by our existence and her being alive has enriched my daily life. Having that breath in my life is, is something that obviously affects my life. Therefore, probably does affect my music, but I don't yeah. know that directly it does. It's not like a conscious thing. Yeah. But it just like again, you can't help but be affected in so many ways by, right. by what what is a massive change. Yeah. You're on the first night of what's gonna be a lengthy tour. You're on the road for most of the next four months. Right. Do you like miss the shit out of your family when you're gone? Yes, definitely. So she'll come out and 
be part of it. And oh, cool. And so there's gonna be that. You know, anytime she wants to come out, she can come out. I mean, that's that's my thing. And does she come out often? Yeah, I mean, she's been on the road since she was like an infant. She's eight now, and it it's different than bringing a two or three year old out. I can imagine. You yeah. Know? So. And now she's in school, so all these other things. She's more informed, I would imagine. Yeah, well, <laughs> at two, she's like a sack of potatoes. Like at eight, she's she's probably yeah, more curious. Yeah, she loves it. She loves it though. She really does love it. She's already a day in. She wants to come out. She saw me in the bunk and wanted to be in the bunk. And oh, nice. All right. Is she gonna carry the torch, so to speak? I'm not pushing her toward that. I definitely know from my musical ears that she has it if she wants it, but I don't think she's gonna even start to think about that till she's older and she's already said daddy you know i'm not going to be a singer I'm like, okay online you've said you don't make political records you make records about consciousness something else that you said in the bio on your website is that this record is uh, peace and harmony and understanding that's how you combat the darkness and that's what this record is all about obviously music is is like the high art because it's it's closest to the senses it's not that it's the best it's just it's just what has the the power I like that to really move people personally music has always been just a vehicle hopefully and i've realized this recently and i didn't know this before and i think it's just a vehicle for an artist or somebody who creates it to reach kind of a different level of consciousness and to actually grow and develop as a human and as a spirit and a soul and understand things differently. You know, that's what I'm looking at at it now. And I didn't know that. I think it was just a vehicle to kind of get myself in order. And with all this other stuff going on, I think that the answer is somewhat to get yourself in a situation where you can personally grow and understand what the mind is doing and really be aware of what the mind is doing because the mind can play tricks on you, you know, and, it, and it's like, that is a challenge. No know? doubt. No it's doubt. like, you're like, wow, this is really what my mind's doing. I mean, I've done some stuff on meditation recently and read a lot about it and seen some different things. And it's just amazing when people point out what your mind does to you in the sense that it, it you know, it's this amazingly incredible thing that is so mysterious that we don't know about. We're not using most of it. And then, <laughs> then you see that it tells you to go do this or do that. And then you're not really aware of it. And then you get caught in this whole circle. And I've been caught in that, you know, I like a, a lot of the last eight years, it was just like, I was caught in some stuff that, oh, wow, now I'm on the road and I'm just da -da -da, and it, doing everything, you know, as a means to an end. That's a pretty violent cycle. And it's a dangerous one. So it, it's kind of amazing to, to kind of dig deep into what it is and then to try to grow from it because it's all about growth. I saw on your website that every ticket sold, you uh, donate a dollar to the Mimi Wood Foundation for Arts and Business. Who's Mimi Wood? That's my maternal grandmother. And nice. She was on the album cover of Every Waking Moment. We want to just help people that want to start their own and, you, and like that have that will and help them with mentoring and all that other kind of stuff, hopefully, and be able to not just throw money at somebody, but it's basically if somebody wants to start their own business instead of going to college, 
I'll pick somebody randomly at one of the schools in D.C. or something, talk to some community leaders and some some of their counselors and all that kind of stuff and see who would fit, best fit for it. And then also with the arts, if a school needs some musical instruments or some DJ equipment or a sound system or something, just on trial by trial basis, you know, just help that way. It sounds like you're still intimately involved in the community here. You don't live here anymore, right? I don't live here anymore, but I've given to some foundations here and also. So it's just good to be able to have my own thing where I can direct it directly. And it, it, it doesn't sound like a lot of money, a dollar a ticket, but it actually turns into something because it's not taxed. There's no manager fee, agent fee, promoter fee, all those things that make it a lot more valuable than me saying, okay, I'll give a dollar out of my pocket. Yeah. And then it just builds up over the shows. It's not the Miller and the Gates Foundation, but it's <laughs> it's just something that, you know, if I see somebody in need that could possibly use it. Absolutely. You know, just something like that. This is my first Citizen Cope Live experience tonight. Is it different playing in your hometown than it is playing in Topeka, Kansas or, you know, Toledo, Ohio? Is there something special about this tonight? Absolutely. You always feel a sense of that you owe a great show when you come home. And I have a lot of history with this club, you know, going to a lot of shows when it first opened and transforming to playing here. To I was going to say out. the neighborhood's probably changed quite a bit, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I lived on 9th and O Street right down oh, there. Oh, so you're, you're a neighborhood boy. Yeah, All right. Yeah. What's next? Are you the type to look into a crystal ball or do you just let the wind blow? My thing is really about personal growth right now and that how this can teach me what I need to learn because it's this amazing entity that can teach you so much. I've had periods where I didn't learn the lessons that I should have learned from it because it's really a microcosm of the world. And then you're in this bubble out here playing music and and it can and you can think, oh wow, it's this. Wow, I'm a, I'm gonna make some money tonight or I'm gonna see this beautiful girl at the end of the show or all these other things that come in that you think from the outside that that's what it's about. It's a really interesting kind of life. So I just got to continue to learn from it. Clarence Greenwood blowing my mind inside the tour bus. I've gone from casual fan to Uber fan. Uh, <laughs> you've done it. Congratulations. All right. Uh, I look forward to seeing you tonight. What did you put in this, uh, this coffee? Well, there's some ghee and some MCT oil, which is coconut oil. Yeah, it's quite delicious. This was just a bonus. This was the cherry on top of my Citizen Cope interview. I appreciate you spreading the wisdom right here on the Independent Mind Podcast. All right, man. Thanks, pal. Be good. They'll take you down to the river. They'll lay you down by the river. They'll shoot you down by the river. Take you down to the river, they'll lay you down by the river, they'll shoot you down by the river, leave you to drown by the river, they'll say it's love.
the river from heroin and helicopters earlier in the podcast we heard justice check out the new album see him live buy his stuff citizencope.com and follow along on your wireless doohickeys at citizencope big thanks to clarence for the amazing conversation read dennis genevieve from his crew for the hospitality the fine folks at 930 club for letting me loiter and especially grace fleischer over at shorefire media for hooking it all up I feel like we took a few steps up the mountain after this one, don't you? Sometimes you get a turd, sometimes you take a little tumble, but this one was solid. And I'm happy you're still here. Five-star reviews, blog mentions, retweets, banner ads, snap stories, under-the-table deals, payola, plugola, it's all welcome. Reach out, find out more, baldfreak.com, that's the hub, the bald hub. And on those same wireless doohickeys at baldfreakmusic, email me your nephew's new polka album, ron at baldfreak.com 
Next time on Independent Minded, I look for a nice quiet spot to talk to the sensational Greek multi-instrumentalist and independent composer Theodore somewhere in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Moon River. Thank you, Doc. You ever serve time? Breathe easy. Breathe easy. Uh, you using the whole fist, Doc? Just relax.